Peace. Welcome to a new episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. There is your co-host, Brad. And uh, on this one, we got a, a coming-of-age uh, romance showdown we have been planning uh, for quite a while here. We got uh, Richard Ayodades. 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 Oh, Richard uh, Iwade's uh, submarine versus versus uh, Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, so this is one that I've actually pitched for a bit because uh, Submarine was the first movie from Richard Iwade, so it got my attention. And of course, Moonrise Kingdom is one of those ones from Wes Anderson that I had heard so much about that it was like, mm. you know what, I, I want to pair something with submarine to get that onto our list and it moonrise kingdom popped up as like one of the highly recommended ones to watch alongside it and it was like okay let's do it so that's that's how we kicked this one off mm-hmm. yeah i could definitely see it and, and you can see the similarities in them too it looks like both films kind of take their uh cues and inspirations from um you know whether it be the french new wave or you know, certain romantic films that the directors, uh, you know, know and love that they wear on their sleeve. Yeah. So with this one, I I know it's a controversial topic on this show, mm-hmm. but I think we should go chronological and start with Submarine. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Moonrise seems like it's the more popular movie to go with here. But uh, I'll follow your lead here, and we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Okay, so with that, I'll kick us off with Submarine, directed by Richard Iwadi, released in 2010. We follow the story of Oliver Tate, a 15 year old boy who is growing up after falling in love with one of his classmates, Jordana. He stumbles on a way to get her heart and get her as his girlfriend, and then proceeds to be a kid and uh, ruin everything around him at the same time while he thinks that he's trying to save everybody. And that is the basic bare bones of this movie. But with this, it is definitely that growing up movie of him realizing like, okay, I got this, but I got to save this and it's my job to do this. And it's just completely butting into topics that he should not be jumping into whatsoever and was this your first time watching this movie or have you seen this one before it was my second the first time i saw it was when i was in college okay so yeah because i remember the first time watching this movie and you're basically watching oliver screw everything up and it gives you like that feeling of just like no no stop it no don't do no that's the wrong thing to do why are you doing this (laughs) I um, I kind of had a different experience when I first watched it. When I first watched it, I um, I said this is a very interesting kid. Mm-hmm. Um, second time watching it today, you know, I I catch more of the stylistic like uh, uh, techniques used in this film. But uh, you know, Oliver, he's um, he's the loser. He he's the person we can all relate to, kind of like in uh, me and Earl in the Dying Girl, mm-hmm. um, kind of like that main character. You know, he he feels like the world is collapsing. He feels like a nobody. 
but uh, he, he he looks at everything strategically at the same time, too. I feel like um, Craig Roberts is a great lead in Oliver. He has the great kind of like panicked, uh, quiet facial expressions um, in certain situations. And uh, he, he just plays off so well with his other castmates. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, with uh, Yasmin Page as Jordana as well, she has that like perfect way of just being an off-putting person with the way that she goes about everything. Like the time that she has him come like under the bridge and she's like, bring a notebook and a camera. And of course, he comes under the bridge and he grabs it all. And he's like, can I get, you know, because what did she take from him? She took like his journal, I believe it was. Oh, I believe so. Yeah. And he basically goes, I got the camera. I have the notebook. Can I get my journal back? And she's just like, no, not yet. And the entire time that like he's falling for her, he gets her attention by like bullying another girl alongside her and another classmate. And Oliver feels bad about it, which gets Jordana's attention. And she's like, yeah, no, we're not going to play that. Like, why do you, why do you need to apologize to her? It's not your fault. You know, she, she fell into that puddle all on her own, knowing full well that they pushed her into the puddle when they were like taking her stuff and everything. And yeah, that's it. Go on. Well, I was going to say that's an interesting side plot because we never hear from that character again. Right. Yeah, because it comes up that, you know, Oliver is like sending notes to apologize to her and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. when Jordana finds out, she's like, you you can't contact her anymore. And Oliver stops. You know, she's a very controlling person <laughs> in his life. Mm-hmm. But Oliver likes that about her. Yeah, I think he called he found her very mysterious. And you know, sometimes when you have a relationship like this, you got one person that's uh very anti-romance and one person that's very pro-romance. Mm-hmm. Uh it's kind of the opposites attract kind of uh dynamic here. Right. So yeah, when going through everything and all of I mean, you didn't have the same perception of Oliver. You just kind of thought he was an interesting kid. But when he's like doing all the notes about his house and everything, like he knows when his, you know, parents are having a hard time and everything because he's watching like the dimmer in their room to tell if, you know, they're having relations or not. And it's like all this crazy stuff that he's like jotting down in his notebook. He's like, it's been like three weeks since, you know, the dimmer switch in their room was last put at half dim, which means things aren't going so well for my parents. I feel that my father is going mm-hmm. to lose my mother soon because this other person has come back into her life and him like getting entwined into his parents relationship is just it, it's so it, off putting of a thing that you're just like, no, stop it. Stop doing that. Like it it makes you cringe a little bit as he's going through all this stuff. Well, in the end, he wasn't wrong. Right. Yeah. I feel like he he he's a bit over the top. Uh, he's very idiosyncratic and he's very like obsessive over things, but he's proven right more often than not in the film. Like I feel like his the 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 means do just like the end. Uh, 
I don't know how to say it. The means justifies the end. Like like the the means justify the end with him. Even mm-hmm. though he may be a little over the top, he has a reason to feel the way he does. Right. Yeah, I mean, he is correct. His mother mm-hmm. is kind of falling for an ex-lover of hers and everything like that, which is funny that when we get to you know, Oliver's relationship with Jordana and everything and his fear of losing her and everything around that. I think some of that stems from the fact that he can't stand to see his parents not staying together or not being in that loving relationship because it makes him go, well, if they don't have anything, what what chance do I have with Jordana and keeping everything with us going wet ready? So he feels like that need to keep his parents together at the same time. And he puts that above his relationship with Jordana in one case as well. Well, also, I want to say, like, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, short conversations of, uh, you know, the talk is uh, when he's in the car with his mom and uh, she goes, uh, she goes, listen, I I know you've been uh, snooping on me and in this guy and, 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 you know, Oliver kind of goes, well, well, he's he's newly single now. And she goes, uh, yes, but that's not your business. And you know, she goes, so so if, um so basically what, what he says before he brings up like the uh the the fire and if you would save me scenario is she goes, um she goes, uh I, I uh, see you got a new woman in your life. Um uh are you being careful? Yes, mom, I wear condoms. I I, I can't replicate <laughs> it right now, but it's the it's right. the quick exchange. That's that's just like so quick. You're like, dang, that was a quick little, uh, you know, talk. It's a very dry British humor thing of just, you know, quip remark, quip remark. You know, I see you have a girl in your life. Yep. And, you know, are you having, you know, a good time with her? I use condoms. It's just it's such a quick like don't press further. You know, here's your answer to your question. No further information. Right. Um, what I would say uh, in between, um, you know, Jill and uh, the, the differences I like in between Jill and Lloyd, the parents, is that when he asks Jill, he says, so let me ask you, uh, if there was if there was a fire in the house and uh, you only had to save me or dad, who would you save? And Jill is like, well, I save you. I love your father, but I would save you. Mm hmm. And I like how Lloyd gives a smart answer, like, well, I would save your mom so we could save enough time to save you. Yeah. Or, you know, I would I would save your mom quick so we could save enough time to get you next. Right. Because if I save your mom, there's a better chance that together we'd be able to save you and the three of us would be able to make it out instead of just two of us. And I love how he gives the better answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because when you think about that, it's like, oh, that does make sense. You would get the mom first so you both can work together to get the child. Um, so, you know, the, the whole storyline between Jill and Lloyd and Jill being like, you know, um, you know, falling back, I guess I want to say in lust with Graham. Um, I think it's a very interesting storyline because like you said, it ties into Oliver and his fear, not his fear, but his worry of possibly losing Jordana. Mm -hmm. So if his parents don't do well, then him and Jordana most likely won't do well. Cause I like how everything parallels, like, you know, towards the end when Jordan, Jordana's, um, mom is uh you know uh dealing with cancer and she's got a big surgery coming up she kind of puts oliver in a place where like um after the most depressing meeting the parents scene ever right uh 
she goes, uh, so the surgery is on this day. Uh, you're coming, right? And Oliver's like, oh, you, you want me to come? Yes, I need you to be there. Jordana's going through a lot right now. And Oliver's like, okay, well, if I go, then I'm going to have to deal with the blowback if, if her moms don't make it. Uh, you know, if I don't go, then I'm going to look like the jerky boyfriend. You know, he, he's, he's in a bind, you know, because his boy, well, he ain't even really his friend. But the, the kid at school is like, uh, you got to dump her, man. It's, it's, it's that point, man. It, it was a fling. You got to dump her. It's, it's too emotional right now. And I like when he says hello to another kid. He's like, you got to dump her, man. Like, that's all the other kid says to, her, says to him. But um, in the end, um, he he uh, meets with his father. And I like how he kind of just spends the time just like sitting with him and eating and kind of like choosing not to go to the hospital. Um, I think that I thought that was an interesting like side plot and how it kind of like paralleled what Lloyd was going through with uh with Oliver's mom. Right. And, and there's also the interesting fact that, you know, everything with his father, because his father sees himself as an intellectual with everything he does, because he's in a scientific field of oceanography. <laughs> And right, so right. he approaches like everything in a very like scientific approach. Meanwhile, you have Graham, who is a spiritual person who believes that you can open up your third eye and, you know, you can be who you want to be. Prisms. Yeah. So you have these two complete, you know, opposites here. So when they're clashing with each other, because at one point, you know, Oliver's mom is inviting you know, Lloyd to go to one of Graham's events and stuff like that. And Lloyd's like, no, I, why would I want to go to that? Like, it, it's all a bunch of weird, you know, mumbo jumbo about spirits and crystals right. and everything. And the mom's like, no, but it's like interesting, you know, because it's, it's fun. It's something different. He's just like, no, it's not fun to me. Like. <laughs> now, now, who are you referring to, Oliver or Lloyd? To Lloyd. Oliver okay, yeah. Oliver is more upset with Graham just because he thinks that he's trying to take his mom. Lloyd is right. literally just going, I don't care about his line of work. I don't want to go to his show. It, it'd be boring to me. Well, I, I'd say he's more of like, you know, you, you say he approaches everything scientific um, in a scientific way, but I would say, or philosophical way, but I say he he's very depressed as he stated oh, yeah. to his um as Oliver states to us through his narration. But I like when he's watching the video with his wife, and she goes, uh, so what what, what do you think? And he goes, I mean, it's it's definitely something. You know, <laughs> he, he's he's not really saying like this sucks, but he's more so saying this is this just ain't for me. Right. I don't know what this guy's talking about. Like I I don't know what he's talking about. Um but I like how um uh, uh, a funny scene I want to point back to is that when he finds out that Oliver is dating somebody, uh, he comes in and, you know, he's about as like, he's about as like excited as a depressed person can be. This yes, you know, uh, well, I hear you have a date. Um, I made a playlist for this. Um, <laughs> here's another playlist where this inevitably ends. But you don't have to worry about that right now. I want you to have fun. And uh, yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> he just drops off the playlist with him. Also, the whole thing of like uh, the vest 
And you know how I got your mom all hot and bothered was I took off my vest and <laughs> going through that whole story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Um, so I like how things kind of come to a head. Um, it's a coming of age film, so you can only take things too far. Uh, right. Uh, tension wise. But I like how when he decides not to go to the hospital, Jordana sends him a message, uh, sends him a letter saying, hey, my mom made it, but I want to break up, you know, just letting you know. Um, sends him the books back as well that he initially sent to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he sees his mom walking off with Graham, you know, and uh, he's, he's caught a crossroads because he's also seeing Jordana with another dude. Jordana and him meet eyes. But I like how he kind of like says, okay. I got to focus on the mission here. I got to see what my mom's doing with Graham and, you know, do my retaliation. So I like I like that tense moment right there before he decides to do something, you know, stupid and try to but uh, he, he, he tried to burn burn uh, Graham's bed. Uh, yeah, he, he basically was trying to trash Graham's house and part of it was he was going to light like his pillow on fire or something. And then it got a little bit more out of control than that. And he put it out. But it led to so long that Graham got home. And I loved how we get that little bit of like backstory into Graham at that point with him walking in and, you know, talking as if his ex was there and going, Hey, I I thought you didn't have a key. You said you dropped off all the copies, but you really got to stop bothering me like this. It's, it's over between us. I don't know what you want from me, all this other stuff and everything. And, he obviously sees that somebody's like hiding in his room, like underneath uh, the duvet cover or something that's like just right there. And of course, when Oliver pops out, it, it, Graham's just kind of like, I don't I don't know what to do with this situation right now. This is not anything close to what I was expecting to happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, so. Yeah, that that's that's a that's a scene that I thought was uh you know, uh you know pretty humorous, but you know in the end, uh the oh man the the bed scene is just that's that was just painful to watch, like you know where where both his parents kind of confront him, and uh his mom kind of just says uh well you know your father and I talked and you know I I did have a um you know an intimate moment with Graham. Uh, I did give him a hand a hand job. Uh, your father and I talked about it. He goes, "Yes, yes, we we talked about it." I was like, "Dude, t- to be a fly on wall with that conversation was so cringe." It it is. It's it. I will say this movie does a great job of building uneasiness as a third party watcher and just going, "I don't like this. This is this is making me feel awkward." Just hearing what's going on here. Hmm. Yeah, it was just strange. This is a very offbeat movie, but it works for what it is. It definitely right. works for what it is. And um, I like how when things come to an end, you know, uh, Oliver kind of has, you know, kind of a heart to heart with himself and, you know, tries to uh, he, he reaches out to Jordana, um, you know, kind of like, you know, telling her in front of the new guy that she's with, um, like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm sorry that I never really got back with with you uh, or about the hospital, you know, I, I just had some stuff going on, you know, and kind of like just, uh, <laughs> I like how in the end he goes, um, he, uh, he says, all right, so this is the part where you walk off with me. 
Right. Yeah. I'm not not walking off with you. You know, so he decides to go just just walk away. He takes the L and walks away. Yeah. Also, he has like that whole dream sequence of like running into her on the beach, but it's not really her and everything. Mm -hmm. And then so later in the movie, like toward the end when he's, you know, going toward the beach and he goes, he thinks he sees her and he's expecting it to be somebody else. And then it's her. And he's just like, oh, well, I don't I I thought it wasn't going to be you. So I don't know what to say here. And it's like that perfect awkwardness of like he was prepared for the opposite situation than he should have been prepared for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a touching ending. Um, It's very fair and it it definitely is earned Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Yeah. So, you know, overall. I, th- I think this is a very like you know well done offbeat film. I definitely would give it um you know that credit. Now what I would say is um it, it plays a little better than I last saw it um uh, when I was younger, but it, it's still about the same. I think it's mm-hmm. a nice offbeat um film. It shows uh, it shows uh, uh, uh Richard's like humor. Um, I give this a solid three point five. I give this one a four out of five. It's it's definitely in my line of humor when it comes to like mm-hmm. the jokes and the delivery and everything like that. Like this is that kind of very dry humor where it's situational humor. It it, it gets me. And, you know, I, I found myself still laughing at the scenes that I laughed at before, still kind of like cringing at the moments I did before and everything like that, even on a second viewing of this one. And it's one of those things where, yeah, you're rooting for Oliver. And when you see him mess up, you're just like, no, just stop doing that. I want you to be like victorious here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it pulls that feeling of like being young and, you know, feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders when really there, there's no weight there at all. That is kind of the gag at the end of the day, isn't it? You feel like yeah. there's a weight on your shoulders when you're young, but then you realize you're you're just you're just another fish in the sea, man. You, you yeah. can craft your own path. So, yeah, I, I I absolutely adore this movie, and being obviously directed by Richard Iwadi and everything like that, you know, it, it definitely has his humor and style in it if you've ever seen his stand-up or anything that he's really been in or any kind of like talk shows that he's a part of his way of like humor and everything just stands out into this movie perfectly hmm yeah i'm uh i'm aware of the it crowd but that's about it okay yeah um yeah yeah i i totally get you all right all right cool cool all right, y'all, so we're going to move on to the next one here. We are heading over to uh, Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Now, this film right here uh, coming out in 2012 is uh, tells the story of a, um, you know, a, a young boy and um, an orphan by the name of Sam uh, who falls in love with a young girl by the name of Susie, uh, you know, somewhere off the coast of New England. And uh, these two. Uh, decide to, uh, you know, go off together and, um, you know, live, uh, you know, in the woods, so to speak. You know, uh, uh, Sam is a uh, he's an Eagle Scout. You know, he, he um, he's very resourceful. Um, Susie, 
you know, sees a girl with, um, you know, aggressive tendencies, but, you know, sees uh, just as equal, uh, equally uh, spunky as Sam. And so they both alienate their guardians. You know, Sam alienates his guardian. Susie alienates her parents. And uh, they go to a, not to the woods, but to an isolated beach that they, um, they later give it a title, which kind of is kind of like the punchline of the movie because it's called Moonrise Kingdom, which we find out in the end. Um, but anyway, the uh, the island's um, uh, police captain, as well as the Eagle Scout leader, played by Edward Norton, the captain played by Bruce Willis, as well as the parents, um, try to uh, do like a um, a search party for them to find out where they are. And that pretty much is um, oh, and then there's an incoming uh, hurricane coming. There's mm-hmm. a um, man, that's a double negative. There's an incoming hurricane. So um, that pretty much is the uh, plot of Moonrise Kingdom. And looking at this, man, so I've been on my lifelong journey to watch as many Wes Anderson films as I can. And I I know it doesn't sound like a hard task because he doesn't have that many movies. But I feel like when you're watching a Wes Anderson film, just for the, you know, detailed style alone, it requires your whole attention to like, you know, catch certain things and catch the. You know what I mean? The 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 mise-en-scene of, of what he puts together in one shot alone. Yeah, when it comes to Wes Anderson, he is one of those filmmakers that it does not matter how many movies you watch between Wes Anderson movies. As soon as it starts, you can pick up that it's one of his movies right away. Like, I, oh, am, yeah. I don't think there's a single Wes Anderson movie that I've watched that it it didn't just emanate oh, this is a Wes Anderson movie throughout, whether it was in the delivery, the camera work, the way that the script progresses, because it's one of the things that Wes Anderson does really well is he always has his characters speak very matter-of-factly, but they Mm -hmm. all feel different at the same time. It's not like they all feel like the same character, but everybody always speaks so matter-of-factly. Like, in this movie is an example of that when, you know, Susie and, uh, what was his name? The other boy. Um, uh, Sam and Susie. Sam. Uh, when they first, like, meet up after, like, running away from home and everything, it, mm-hmm. they come down to where Sam's like, okay, I have everything, you know, so we can go, you know, this way or that way. Uh, and then, of course, Susie's carrying, like, a cat carrier, and the cat meows, and Sam's just like, is that a cat? Yes, it is. Cool. <laughs> and it just continues on, and it's, like, one of those things of, like, the way the camera pans and the way everything goes, it's like, yeah, this is so Wes Anderson of his style, the way that everything happens. This might as well be a stop-motion scene, <laughs> just the way that everything falls into place. I'll say this when it comes to Wes Anderson, right? So, like you said, everything he does has a specific style. The way I would say it is it's more like deadpan delivery, but with heart behind it. Yes. You know, because usually when you have deadpan delivery, it's deadpan, there's no emotion. But it's, it's, it's so strange because his characters have deadpan delivery, matter of fact delivery, but there's, there's palpable emotion behind it. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. That's why I feel Bill Murray is so at home in his films, because that's always been Bill's type of humor. He's cynical. He has the perfect kind of deadpan responses. I feel like he exists 
whatever character he plays exists perfectly within a Wes Anderson universe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bill Murray as Susie's father is just so perfectly cast in this where he yells at like everybody for not having any idea what's going on. Meanwhile, he has no idea what's going on at the same time. But with that like deadpan delivery and matter of factness and everything like that, that, you know, comes from a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. His character is just absolutely perfect in every scene that he pops up in, you know, Bill Murray, as you said, he emanates this comedy style everywhere he goes. So seeing him in a Wes Anderson movie just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And we got some, you know, heavy hitters. We got Jason Schwartzman, who's like in almost every Wes Anderson film. I think I, you know, that's, that's his buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we, we got Francis McDormand. We got Tilda Swinton. We've been watching a lot of Tilda Swinton movies, dude. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I. it's all by mistake, too. It's not like we're trying to follow Tilda Swinton, but yeah, she's yeah. she's just in a lot of these very like offbeat movies that we've been watching lately. Absolutely. And um, I like uh, I like Bob Balaban as uh, the narrator. And I like how he um, at one point when everybody's kind of panicking, you know, and arguing about where the kids are, he shows up not talking to the audience, but talking to them like, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. uh, You know, Sam's very resourceful. You know, I I trained that young man. Well, he'll he'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just want to direct your attention to like, you know, this and like like everyone kind of goes back to what they were doing. Um, I want to say this. I like the romance. I like the dynamic between Sam and Susie. Because they're both kids who are misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Sam is misunderstood. He's misunderstood by his peers. You know, he's 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 an outcast. Uh, his foster parents, you know, after him running away this time, you know, want to disown him and say like we we want nothing. Like we 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 can't keep dealing with this. If he's gonna like keep running off like this, we just can't deal with it anymore. Um, you know, Susie is an outcast in her family. So I like their dynamic. I like how I like their dynamic. But I want to say, man, and it pains me to say this because I am a Wes Anderson fan. Despite me, this might be my least favorite Wes Anderson movie, dude. Really? Yeah. Now, mind you, I haven't seen Asteroid City or French Dispatch yet or, or even his first film, Bottle Rocket. But Grand Budapest, Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, which I love because mm-hmm. I miss my dog, uh, R.I.P. But uh, this might be my least favorite Wes Anderson movie, man. It's like it, all the basic elements are there. The cinematography, the the offbeat characters, the offbeat dialogue, the heart. But it's just, I don't know. It's just like the film just didn't grab me that much. I said, well, that was a Wes Anderson film. But it wasn't a Wes Anderson film that made me feel so satisfied in the end. Like, yeah, that was it's like the whole thing was a complete package, but it was. It's it, not it was a still missing movie. something from you. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just missing something for me. It felt like it felt like uh, that was that was boilerplate Wes Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, OK, that was a Wes Anderson film. Uh, and that that's that. You know, I, I feel like when I watched the Grand Budapest Hotel, I was like, that was a Wes Anderson epic. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a very highly stylized Wes Anderson uh, period epic. I can say something about that. This, I'm like, that was a Wes Anderson coming of age film. And that's that. But it's not Rushmore. 
You get what I'm saying? I, I like, definitely you know, get what you're saying. And I, I think that's also a tone to like Wes Anderson and like the high expectations you have walking into one of his movies because oh, his man. movies are always such hits. Yeah, it's like when we watched Fantastic Mr. Fox, right? I didn't know what to expect because I liked Isle of Dogs, but I'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. so this one, was bef- this one was before that, so let me see how this goes. And I was like, that was fantastic. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a good problem because, you know what I mean? It's a good problem to have because you've had so many hits throughout your career. And this is just my subjective opinion. Moonrise didn't grab me like that. I like the characters and I like the, I like some of the delivery but it was just, I don't know. I just, I just wanted more. It, I will say, like, I kind of agree with some of that, where there is a lot of blank space in this movie where it seems like nothing's really happening. And yeah, that's it. Nothing's happening. It, but the scenes where things are happening are absolutely fantastic. Like we have yeah. the moment where the scouts and everybody finally find Sam and Susie. And Sam kind of just puts a stick down and goes, if anybody crosses this stick, it's on. And the next scene is just all the boys running away. One of them's bleeding from their side. You know, they're they're all screaming. And, you know, I love the one kid who's just, she stabbed me. She stabbed me with a pair of scissors. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dude, we got. (laughs) Go on. Go ahead. I was gonna say we got a really young Lucas Hedges in this movie, dude. We He's do. Really young. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I love that scene, man, where he's mm-hmm. like, "If you cross this stick, it's over." <laughs> and you just got the the classic Wes Anderson cut when action happens, mm-hmm. and you know everyone's scurrying away. Yeah, like just like you said, I love that. But a lot of times when nothing's happening. You know, there's kind of like an emotional disconnect between Bill Murray and Francis McDormand, because obviously Francis McDormand's character is having an affair with Bruce Willis character. Mm-hmm. I get all that, but I'm like, yeah, this is this is just it's not hitting me. You know, the the some of the scenes with Everett Norton in the troupe, some of it's good. Some of it I'm like, OK, like, you know, because I, I feel like I don't want to say there's filler, but. A lot of the moments in between the moments where thing things happen, it just kind of it doesn't grab me. I would say most of the time that adults are talking to each other is when there's really not much going on in the movie. Fair, fair and, point. Like I would disagree with you about the parts with uh, Edward Norton as like the scout leader and him talking with like the other scouts and everything like that. I think those are fantastic. You know, like the way that this movie opens with him, like going scout to scout of like, did you tie that in this way? OK, did you do this? OK. And like he sits down, like he has his newspaper, he like looks around who's missing. And you, it does the long pan shot to like zoom out and show the entire table with all the scouts sitting there perfectly on the one side of the table with their plates in front of them with the one seat empty. Like that is so perfectly you know, Wes Anderson style of doing everything. And Mm -hmm. every single scene that has like Edward Norton giving commands to the rest of the scouts and everything, I I feel it keeps that same tone. And it's not so much that the interest is in like what's going on. The interest is in the camera work and the pacing of those scenes. 
I would say um, one one line I like by Edward Norton's character is that when um, he's he's gathering up the uh, the scouts to look for Sam, uh, one of the scouts says something that's totally unrelated to his directions. He says, "Do do you know what we're doing here, uh, son? Oh, yeah. We're trying to find we're trying to find one of our lost members." Yeah, yeah. I I also love the comment like, "Okay, should I bring a weapon?" No, we're we're trying to find him. And then the next scene is the kids going, well, I'm not going to be the only one that doesn't bring a weapon. And then it cuts to them all like walking through a field, all of them with like these makeshift weapons. Like you have the bat with nails sticking out of it. You have, you know, (laughs) everything going on that way. It's like, okay, that's funny. That that got me. I ain't going to lie, man. Um, Yeah, I got you. I got you. But uh, I ain't going to lie, dude. That one scene. Where, and, I, and I know it's the film talking about kids falling in love, you know, maybe discovering things. Maybe that be, maybe that's a sexual awakening or whatever. The scene where he um, where he grabs the, you know, the where Sam grabs Susie's breast and she like they it's that tender scene. I'm like, that made me so that made me cringe so much. Yeah, that was a weird scene in it. Uh, luckily, it doesn't last very long. Yeah, but- no, it doesn't. But yeah. yeah, that is a weird scene because that's when they're on the beach and everything and they're like, well, I love you and I, I want you to be my wife and everything. And she's like, right. well, if you want, you can, you know, you can touch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. I get the awkwardness, you know, growing up and everything like mm-hmm. that. I, I totally get what the film is going for. It just it was just cringe. Right. But I think that's the tone that you're supposed to get from it. You're not supposed to be watching that scene going, yeah, get it. You know, you're supposed to be like, ah, this is, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah. I, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, looking at that, uh, well, looking at the movie in general here. So like, again, great moments, you know, when, um, the storm comes, that's a great, uh, action filled moment. Mm-hmm. It, the, the film has great, you know, like like segments in it, but I just feel like the 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 noise all in between that that isn't noise, kind of just like takes away from everything. But uh, I want to say I do like Captain Sharp's dynamic with um with Sam, you know Bruce mm-hmm. Willis character, uh, Captain Sharp, because I like when he when they're talking to Tilda Swinton, you know who uh who <laughs> she her character is just called social services, um you know she uh she goes all right well we'll take the kid now. And, uh, you know, him and Edward Norton are like, well, well where's he going to go? Oh, well, you know, um, most likely we'll just put him in juvie. Uh, or, or electroshock uh, therapy. Right. Just the, the extreme options. Right. Oh, you know, just juvie or electroshock therapy. And they're like, well, well, wait a second. The kid's not insane. Like, you know, he's just he just needs some guidance. That's all. And she goes like, dude, my hands are tied by the system. This is what it is. Well, I also love her line of, well, according to my notes, uh, she stabbed a kid or he stabbed a kid. And they're like, no, that was the girl. Well, maybe she needs to come along, too. <laughs> right. I love how they clarify. No, that was the girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, man. So I really feel like uh, the ending had a pretty, uh, you know, a, a nice a nice epilogue here, as, as mm-hmm. Wes Anderson usually does. You know, everything's. Like wrapped up in a good bow. Um, Harvey Keitel has a small role. Uh, and it, again, you gotta love how Wes Anderson set this up. You know, uh, he goes, um, he says to the scout, he says, uh, uh, where are your scouts? He goes, I lost them, sir. 
<laughs> takes the badge off. You don't deserve to wear this badge. A uh, few minutes later, he's saving this guy from an um, impending uh, uh, hurricane. Yeah. I'm like, does he deserve the badge now? Yeah. <laughs> d- d- does he get his badge back? Does Has he gotten your uh, approval finally? Right, right. Uh, oh, I forgot Jason Schwartzman's character. Uh, I love his scene where he's marrying uh, Sam and Susie. And he's he's keeping everything so professional. Like he's he's talking to the kids like they're adults, which I get it. You, when when a kid reaches a certain age, you should talk to them like they're a young man and a young woman. But uh, he goes like, uh, "Okay, you two want to get married? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, you need to think about this. So take a moment and let get back with me. So they they step away. They, they step away back. and talk about it in front of a trampoline that a kid's just right. jumping on. That's what I love about that scene. It's like they step away, they have that serious conversation. Just the backdrop is just some kid doing flips on a trampoline. Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, I like how they come back and say, yeah, yeah, we want to do it. So at the ceremony, I like how uh, at some point, you know, it gets mentioned that they got the... Uh, the, the piggy bank thing mm-hmm. and he goes like this is my fee and then <laughs> the kids just kind of mean mug him and he goes and he just pushes it back to him <laughs> yeah i think it, that's funny it's his character coming in like out of nowhere in this movie as the person that like is there kind of as the scapegoat that the scouts all use to like get stuff that they shouldn't and I love how, like, immediately, we need to get mm. these two kids out of here. Okay, you know my fee. And it's just so matter-of-factly with him, like, getting mm-hmm. the boat and being like, you realize, once we go over there, there's no coming back. Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know, it's... <laughs> I absolutely mm-hmm. love his delivery with everything. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. Um, Yeah, man, when it all comes down to it, this film... I don't know, man. It was lacking. Now, I I think it's very well made. It's a very well made movie. It is a Wes Anderson film. Um, I just don't think it's the best Wes Anderson film. And, you know, I I felt like it was kind of lacking to me. I'm going to give this a solid three. So I I can agree with that one. This is definitely a three out of five. It the lackingness that it has, I would say, is there's just a lot of scenes where nothing's happening and it's not even like those scenes where nothing's happening is progressing the story or the characters in any way. It's just people standing around talking about what they should be doing instead of doing something. And the first time it it's like, OK, it's a good joke. You know, instead of them actually doing something, they're just talking about what they should be doing. But after it goes on for a couple more scenes the same way and everything, it's just every time the adults are talking and there's no kids on screen, it, it, the movie just comes to a standstill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it just it makes things uh, awkward, dude. Mm-hmm. It just makes things awkward when it gets to that kind of like uh, staleness. But it's not. Listen, it's not a bad movie. I would say it's just one of those movies where, listen, with Wes Anderson, you either love him, love him or hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- not him, but his movies. Um, if I was to recommend a Wes Anderson film, I-, I would definitely recommend Fantastic Mr. Fox. I would recommend Royal Tenenbaums. I'm not recommending this. Yeah, if somebody is like they've gone through 
you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs and everything else and everything. And they're just like, what, you know, it should I watch this movie? It's like, yeah, watch it. it if you oh, really like yeah. Wes Anderson, watch this movie. But it's definitely not the movie you should start with. Uh, I agree. Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think, is still my favorite of Wes Anderson. And mm. yeah, we talked about it before and I expressed everything I loved about that movie back then. But yeah, it's definitely my top movie when it comes to everything from him. Yeah, I would uh me personally, I would do uh Owl of Dogs as a as a personal top favorite, you know. Uh but it's interchangeable. It's inter- they're all great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say this is more of a B side. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So when it comes down to it, I think um Submarine wins out here. Yeah, Submarine comes out as it, it a more well-rounded story when it comes to like that young romance and everything. And yeah, it it just comes out as a better movie. All right, there it goes folks. All right. So um, we're going to head over to uh, a after show here and, you know, uh, I guess I'll say this. We're not really, we don't do the celebrity gossip thing, but I just feel like this is something I just got to ask you. Have you heard about, how could you not have heard about it? Did you hear about the Will Smith controversy? Uh, which one? There's been like three since we last talked, I feel like. Are, are you talking okay. about the one where his friend said that uh, he's actually gay? I assume. Bye. 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 But yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that one. That's the main, that's okay. the major one. <laughs> Obviously, there's Jada Smith's book. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that one. So basically... Um, leave it to my wife folks you know um she she watches uh this gossip channel called tasha k this lady that speaks on celebrity gossip or whatnot and uh she had a guest that was a uh, will smith's former assistant um who you know said allegedly that uh he caught will smith um you know um you know having sex with uh Dwayne martin who was another actor will smith's friend and that you know will smith is bi as well as some other bombshells he dropped so, you know, a whole shit storm happened and, uh, you know, uh, Jada was uh, caught by, I don't know if it was TMZ or Bossip. Uh, and they said, hey, Jada, what do you got to say for? We, we suing. <laughs> <laughs> and they just got into the limo and drove off. Um, yeah. So it's caused a whole storm. And I got to say, dude, I, I don't know, man. I think. uh I think karma is on Chris Rock's side because ever since that smack happened, we've seen a whole no ever. I don't want to say ever since the August Alcina reveal happened before then, but ever since that slap happened to Chris Rock, I just know Chris has been smiling ear to ear, dude. Oh God, yeah, like it's it's getting to the point that I feel bad for Will just because everything that's bit, coming out. Bit, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, at the, first you're just like. Oh man, like he's he's getting his desserts for like everything for what he did and everything. And now it's just like, oh come on, leave leave the guy alone. Like I feel like the YouTube video, like the leave Britney alone. It's like leave Will alone already. He he's already down. Come on. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, no one cares what someone does behind closed doors. Oh, you yeah. know, we just love the art. But um, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Uh. Another person, well, we ain't really, he ain't really a Hollywood actor, but even the Diddy thing, one of the quickest lawsuits to be settled in, in history, 
one of the quickest celebrity lawsuits to be settled in history. Um, Diddy's ex-girlfriend, Cassie, you know, uh, sued him for, uh, you know, assault. And, um, you know, um, I don't know if it was distress, but put a put a like a bombshell lawsuit against him. Got settled within 24 hours. Right. And I love that people were commenting about just how quickly it was resolved. It's like, that's got to be the fastest rapper dispute resolution in history <laughs> for anything right. involving a rapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was that was nuts. That really was nuts. Um, but moving on to more uh, cinematic news, uh, I wanted to. Well, what have you seen anything lately? Let me hand it um, to you here. Well, uh, yes, but we'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, for <laughs> cinematic news, uh, I I don't remember we talked about it on the podcast last episode or if it was off podcast. But the Coyote versus Acme movie is stirring up a lot of stuff so a couple weeks ago it was announced that that was being written off for tax purposes and everything and the response to that has been insane since that and i know since the last time we talked there's been a lot of development on that including congress is now looking into tax laws that they give hollywood in order to do something like this uh wb a lot of projects are now being put on tentative schedules because the people working on them no longer want to be working with WB because Mm. obviously if you're working on a movie and it's complete and they're just going to write it off for tax purposes when it's something like Looney Tunes that's like a guaranteed going to make money no matter what kind of thing. And it's making people doubt making movies for WB now. So there's there's a lot of stuff that's coming out about that. And yeah, David uh, Zaslov is just he is not having a good time right now ever since he decided, yeah, we'll just write off that silly cartoon movie for uh, some tax benefits so he can get a bigger bonus. Let me tell you something else, man. There was a movie that was supposed to come out um, December of this year called The Bike Riders. Mm-hmm. Now you got a you got a dynamic task, uh, cast in this movie. You got Jodie Comer, Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, Michael Shannon, uh, Norman Reedus, and uh, because of the strike, which just recently ended with the actors, 20th Century Fox was like, "Yeah, YOLO. Let's just not release it. They they can have it." Mm-hmm. And now, um, now New Regency is trying to find a new studio or streamer to buy it. Now, yeah, can you believe that? It's this is a yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a crazy thing right now that this is happening where streaming services are kind of just dropping projects because they're just like, well, if it's not going to make us billions or if it's not going to start a new franchise, what's the point of it? But you got a film that, you know, for for critics, this is award season right now. Mm -hmm. You got a film that could like like easily be considered for like shortlisted for an Oscar. Like this is a Jeff Nichols film. He's a great, yep. he's a great director. And again, even with the Coyote and Acme thing, right? That's a great product of Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes. You, you you're not gonna take advantage of this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It, not only that, but the Looney Tunes one like stars John Cena too. It's like 
literally John Cena is at the peak of his career. Well, I'm not going to say he's at the peak of his career. He's at an all time high in his career right now when it comes to his acting and everything. Who would have knew, dude? John yeah. Cena, like he he's he's coming up to rock status right now, Dwayne oh, yeah. Johnson status. Like I would have never known a man that we can't even see <laughs> is almost in every big movie right now, dude. Like I, if you would have told me that, I'd be like John Cena from the Marine. Yeah, yeah, his Crazy. coming up is hilarious because yeah, if you're you are a fan of wrestling and you watched him, you're like, yeah, he's good and stuff like that. And then I'm trying to think, what was the movie Trainwreck? You saw him in Trainwreck, where he got to, like, actually do some ad-libbing and everything. And it's like, okay, he's a funny guy. I, I I dig this. This is good. And then he started just getting job after job, and every single one just not, like, Peacemaker. Absolutely knocked it out. Like, one of my favorite superhero series. That was the one for me. Uh, 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 James Gunn Suicide Squad. I mean, I know he was in the Fast and Furious films, but that was the one for me that went, okay, he, he's a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, man, it, it's getting crazy out here how some of these movies and I really feel like this is dangerous, man, because this is kind of like an insult to cinema. Like when you have films like The Bike Riders, um, Jonathan Majors had a film coming out that did great at Sundance called uh, Magazine Dreams. But because of his, you know, kind of controversy, no, nobody's bought the movie yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, this this is cinema like like. If we just like shrug off a uh, cinematic product, you know, like great films, I'm not just talking about IP like Marvel or even Coyote versus Acme. Right. When, when we kind of just shrug off cinema, then there's there's no place for the little guy, the independent filmmaker. Yeah, it's this is one of those things where it's like a 24 is such a godsend for filmmakers right now, because if you have a creative idea that nobody else is willing to take a chance on a 24 seems to be the one that's picking up those projects. And if you look at a 24 schedule of movies and stuff, honestly, you probably only hear about a third of them in the Mm. mainstream because they're not hitting like everyone out of the park, but the ones Mm -hmm. that are hitting out of the park, the ones that never stood a chance. Otherwise those ones get that press because they well deserve it. And it's amazing how they give so many place people a chance at that. Nobody expected everything everywhere at once to be the hit that it was. No, like that, that was a that was a huge hit, man. And then Brandon Fraser won for the whale. Mm-hmm. Like that was a that was a great year for a twenty four. Like they were like they 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 were standing on their nuts that that year. Oh, definitely. You know, it, yeah. it's one of those things where like people constantly go film is dead film is dead and it's like yeah if you're just watching the transformers movie that comes out every three years and then that's it yeah film is probably dead to you <laughs> yeah i hate it when people say that they they know it's not dead but it is dangerously it is dangerously being uh affected behind the scenes with films like these just being shrugged off mm-hmm. or even you know even the commercial films that that could bring good money for the kids being shrugged off as well. Again, the Batgirl thing I I thought was a very uh, dangerous warning sign because you, oh, yeah. you had a film that reacted well with audiences, as from what I understand, and they just said, "Okay, tax write off." I was like, "Dang, I it, it it reacted well. That could bring money." 
Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's getting crazy. But I wanted to say to you, I've, I've been seeing some some screenings here. Um, I recently saw Poor Things with uh, uh, Emma Stone. It's the new Emma Stone film coming out by the director of uh, The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay. This is a, this is a, have you seen trailers for it? I have not. Uh, yes, yeah, crazy, dude. Uh, it's got William Defoe, Gerard Carmichael. Um, this is a this is a wild, horny movie, dude. It it, it kind of has to be seen to be believed. I don't want to say too much about it um, because I want to wait till I write my review. But uh, you got to check it out, man. It's 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 crazy. It's kind of like a not like a Frankenstein, but it's kind of like a Frankenstein meets Tom Hanks big. But a wild, horny version of that. Okay, okay. Uh, Those are three things that do not mix together in my head. So <laughs> I'm very curious I know, man, now. I know, man. But it, you know, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos. Um, I hope I'm saying his name right. Just a terrific director, man. He has such a specific style, like Wes Anderson. Uh, if you see his films, you'll you'll notice it. the The delivery of dialogue between his characters is so blunt. And uh, just so oddballish. A great film, dude. Oh, and Mark Ruffalo's in this movie, man. It has to be one of his best roles ever, dude. Like, I've I've never seen Mark Ruffalo this wild before. Okay. And, um, is yeah. this one only in theaters? Or is this coming to a streaming service? It's coming to theaters uh, next month. Next, okay. So I got some time to, before I had to catch it. Because, yeah, this... Oh, yeah. Th- there's a couple movies there in theaters right now that... It's sadly they're not big enough to hit like the big screen in theaters and stuff because we have like next mm-hmm. goal wins, the holdovers, and it's like I want to catch these movies, but they're all playing at like those oddball times, and it's like ah come on, I, I'm not available at two p.m. on a Thursday, man. Can't can't you play it like sometime at like a seven o'clock showing? <laughs> yeah, that's that can kind of be uh you know kind of a a a, a pain point. When, uh, you know, that one movie you want to see plays at that time when you're at work. It's like, why would I take off work to go see a movie at 2 p.m.? Like, right. come on, man, work with me. Yeah, d- like, come on, know. give me a chance here. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, all right, y'all. Well, uh, that about covers it here. Uh, we'll f- catch y'all on the next one. And, uh, you know, uh, please remember to, you know, uh, follow the podcast, you know, watch cinema and uh, take care.